Well, good morning, everybody. It's Father's Day, and so before I get in the message, just want to honor the fathers. So if you are a dad in the house, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on. If you're a dad, get up to your feet. <clears throat> All right, you got to stay standing just for a moment. So, you know, um, we live in a time uh, that there is a need for fathers, right? Um, that's, that's, that's no surprise. And I just want to honor you men in the room. And I don't know your story. I don't know what kind of family you grew up in. Um, but the fact they're standing here today amongst a gathered group of believers who are worshiping the name of Jesus, and you're saying, I'm a dad and I'm proud of it, that is um, that has such a huge, significant impact for people in this room and just for your kids. And I just want to take a moment just to honor you. Um, you know, uh, in our day and age, men are not always honored. They're sometimes shamed, right? They're sometimes depicted as uh, lazy or apathetic. And what I want to say is we're going to get into the message in just a moment, but I want to call you out and to say, God designed you. He designed you to lead. He designed you to war, but to war for the souls of men and women. He designed you to war for the injustices, for the oppressed. He designed you to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, which he came to set the oppressed free. He came to heal the sick and to cleanse the leper. He came to call out um, the things that were off in the darkness and bring things in the light. And he came to call up young men and women. He came to, to steward and protect and care for women in his day. And that's who you are. So I don't know if you're living in that moment or not, but I want you to know that God's imprint, his DNA on your life is to be a man of integrity, to be a man who leads, to be a man who actually is leading the way in our nation, in our society, and in your homes. You may not have it all together. You may not be perfect. None of us are. But God's put a design and a, and, and, and a God-given gifting on your life to be the man, to be the father. So when you feel discouraged, just getting up and reading a book to your child goes a long way more than you know. Just getting up and going to work to provide for your family goes a much greater distance than you know. You have to be men that are willing to have that kind of resolve to live in our day and age. And I'm believing that God's going to restore men. He's going to restore fathers. And he's going to start bringing the men back into the fellowship who are gonna, then going to start serving and to start owning their God-given positions to lead and to, and, and, and to give their lives for others. That we'll start seeing a turn in the church, maybe in America, towards more men in the church than women. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? So we're believing for God to do something amazing. So I just want you to extend a hand to these men right now. You can put a hand on them if you want to. If you're next to them, extend a hand to them. We're just going to bless them. Lord, we just bless every father in this room. Lord, we just speak a blessing over them, God. And we're asking that you would come upon them with such grace and joy and love today, that they would be encouraged, that they would be, that they would be filled in their innermost places by you, God. And that they would know that they have been made by you, created by you to to really be image bearers of you so that they can be agents of change, agents of love, agents of service and sacrifice for the people around them. We bless them and we love them. We're so thankful, Lord, for the gift of fathers. In name we pray, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> All right, it is Father's Day. And so um, I would encourage everyone today to reach out to your father if you have an opportunity to do that. Um, it just blesses them. Reach out to your grandfather and um, just, we really want to honor dads today. All right. <clears throat> well, um, 
We're going to jump into a passage of scripture here, and we're going to kind of stay on it for the day. So we're in the midst of a series this summer called Biblical. Uh, we're talking about marriage, and we're talking about family, and we're talking about finances. And so we're continuing our series here, talking about marriage here on the front end. Uh, my wife, Ashley, she spoke last week and did a great job. If you weren't here, she exposed um, uh, my weaknesses and her own. And so if you ever wondered, hey, I wonder what the Hardys are really like, <clears throat> just go to the podcast and you're, um, you'll take us off any kind of pedestal uh, you think you had us on. <clears throat> but we're all humble people. And we all need to be vulnerable with our lives, and hopefully it's helpful to you. And today, we're going to continue on talking about marriage, but really flip it to the husband's side. So I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, today we're going to keep it simple here on Father's Day. We're just going to really hone in on this one passage, 1 Peter 3, 7. We're going to kind of break it down. So first it starts out by saying, likewise, husbands, likewise. Now, that refers back to um, what Peter wrote a little earlier in 1 Peter chapter 2, which really was calling on Christian husbands to be Christ-like. And you have to remember, right, when you're reading through these epistles, you're reading through like Colossians or 1 Corinthians or Ephesians or 1 Peter, when you're reading through these, these are actually letters, right? At the time they were written, they weren't broken up into chapters and into verses. They were letters written to Christians in a certain region or to a certain church or certain area, right? So Peter is writing this long letter. So whenever you read the scriptures, you can't just take one verse and not in the light of the entire context of the letter. It'd be like writing, writing a letter to your, to your wife or to your husband, and you just tell them, hey, just read like the third paragraph. I'll skip everything else. And it's like, well, wait a second. I need to get the full picture, right? So when you read the scriptures, you need to get the full picture. So here we go. 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, likewise, husbands, referring to Christ and his submission to the Father, which Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2. And truthfully, you need to know this as we get into this. If Jesus Christ was not submitted to the Father, the gospel would have never been accomplished, right? If Christ was not the first person in world history to really model perfect submission, we would not have the gospel. And just, you know, Christ perfectly submitted to his heavenly Father. So he was the first person to submit. I'm saying that word over and over just to get it into you because I know it makes some of you scream, but I'm going to keep saying it. Jesus Christ loved and committed himself to submitting to his heavenly father. But he submitted to his father um, because he loved his father. He submitted because he loved him. Now, we're going to continue on here. It says, likewise, husbands, Live with your wives in an understanding way, right? Now, that's an easy verse or an easy few words to say, but if you're married in the room, that's very challenging, right? We're actually just back in the garage, and we, but before the service, we gathered the band, and today we had this whole man choir. If you didn't see, it was awesome. So we had like 30 guys back there, and, you know, we're a big group of guys, and I, I oftentimes say to my wife, say, you know, <clears throat> Big groups of guys are just easier than big groups of women. And you're all laughing because you know it's true. Because big groups of guys, if there's food and something to drink and we can just keep it on the surface, we're good. 
Like, I don't have to deep dive into your inner world or what's really going on or what you feel about this or that. We're just like, hey, did you see that game? What about that? This tastes good. This smells, oh, yeah. And then we're good. And after an hour, we're having a great time just, you know, high-fiving, just talking about the weather and stuff. We're good. No one's feelings are getting hurt, you know? A larger group of women, it can sometimes get a little deeper, and that's great, but it can just be a little more of a deep dive to where if you don't kind of go a little deep there, someone doesn't feel loved. And it's like, you go too deep on me when I've got a sticky bun and coffee. I'm like, dude, back off. Just let me eat the sticky bun. So living with your wives understanding way is not the same as getting to know your buddies from college, right? Your roommates from college, that's great. Roommates in college, that's helpful. That is not going to get you that much closer to being prepared for marriage, just so you know, because living with your wife is very different. And, you know, um, when you read this phrase, I've often referred to this, but, but the truth is, is that although that is what should be normative, that is the goal in marriage, um, I would argue that for a lot of people, it's probably, they're probably not feeling that. They're probably not saying, yeah, we totally understand each other. Or a husband's saying, I really get my wife. Because when you make that covenant on the day of marriage, when you say those vows, you're at the top. You're like, man, it's just going to be glorious from here, right? It's honeymoon. We're moving in, starting our jobs. We're off to the races. And, but a lot of people, I'm assuming, probably have that like wedding high and then that post-honeymoon low, right? Because you're like, wait a second, I didn't, you didn't tell me about that when we were dating. Like, I didn't know you didn't do that or that annoyed you or you didn't like when I cooked that or eat that or what is going on around here? I thought we were all smiles. It was fun. Look at the pictures from the wedding. What is wrong with you, right? So, oh, we're living together now, right? Some of us have had too many arguments or experiences, too many hurt feelings, too many misunderstandings. There could be overall marital passivity going on to where you don't really want to put the effort in to actually understanding the other person. What it can end up as in a marriage is this just two people cohabiting the same space, but there's no oneness. There's no real two becoming one. They're not seeing that played out. So how do you get to know someone, right? Like how do you really get to know someone, build a meaningful connection with them? I think we all know this, but it's doing life together. Did you know that? It's not reading about someone else's life. Like it's doing life with them. It's having shared experiences with people. It's proximity. It's consistency. This is why Peter says, live with your wife in an understanding way. Living, meaning literally living underneath the same roof. There's just things you get to know about each other you just can't get to know when you're in separate quarters or separate places. But in order for this to work, you've actually got to live together so that you can fully understand each other. Now, um, you know, women are beautifully complex. I wordsmithed that really good this morning. <laughs> beautifully complex, and that is the design by God. Now, for 13 years I've been married, and I've been working hard at fulfilling this, this live with your wife and an understanding way. And, you know, I have tried to learn a great deal about her likes and dislikes and, and, and do's and don'ts and things I should or shouldn't do and our strengths and weaknesses. But in my immaturity as a young man, I did not do a great job at helping her in her weaknesses or empowering her in her strengths. Right? 
um, I, I didn't really understand that. So just kind of a simple example would be, Ashley would be sharing a story and she would be using numbers in this story. And numbers are not really Ashley's strength or strong suit. And so she'd be sharing a story, say something like, yeah, we were there and there was like 5,000 people. And I'm there and I'm like, no, there's like 150. <laughs> but I know it seemed like, a, but, she's, but she's just so excited about telling the story. You know, she's not trying to lie. She's just kind of like, it's just, it's just a number, right? Or she'll say, well, yeah, wasn't that like a week ago? And in my mind, I'm like, no, that was 10 days ago. Okay, so you may be a man in the room that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. When people share stories and numbers, I'm like the fact checker. You know, that's totally me. And so early on, we'd be telling, we'd be like at a party with friends, you know. We're all having a good time talking. She's like, yeah, and it was like 25. And I was like, actually, it was 19. <clears throat> but keep going. <laughs> right? It's like story shut down. <clears throat> and just, what did I do? I just, come on, tell the truth. And, and let's just say it didn't go well, okay? So as a more mature man, I've learned to just be quiet when she tells a story. And if she asked me for help on the number, I would be obliged to help her. But if not, I'd just sit there and that sounds great, you know, good, you know, because I know she's trying to get the ballpark, right? That may be a weakness. But then on the strength, Ashley loves hosting, right? You may have been to her house for like your baby shower or for a birthday party or for prayer ministry or for life group or membership class or something. And here's what I know about my wife. She loves having candles lit and the lights on, right? She likes atmosphere, right? And a lot of women do. They like that ambiance. It's got to smell right. It's got to look right. And I'm over here, Mr. Light. Hey, if, the, if there's a light on in a room we're not using, why is the light on? Right? Because I'm very pragmatic and I see the bills every month. And I'm like, no one's going to be in that room. And she's like, no, 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 no. All the lights need to be on the whole house, just in case someone peeks in the room. Oh, that looks nice. <laughs> and so earlier in our marriage, this is how it would go down. We'd be getting ready for a party. She goes, flips everything on, okay? And then she goes and she showers and gets ready. I'm already out of the shower and I'm ready. I go and I turn everything off, <laughs> except for the living room. I even close blinds and I'll leave. I actually left the candles. And, and then she walked out, what did you do? And I was like, What? We're in this room, right? Like the life group's going to be in the living room, right? So this goes on and on. But that's just a little window into the little things in life. Don't matter a whole lot. But you can see the discrepancies and differences even to where I am not really understanding, oh, she really just wants to be warm and inviting for everybody no matter what I think. And so now I just let her turn the lights on. I just, you know, just stay out of the way, right? You live and learn as a husband. Now, some of you guys may have heard of this book. It's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? So it's a book. It's been out for a long time. A lot of companies use it. And habit number five is actually seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's a great little life lesson, right? Now, I'm going to argue they took that from the Bible. But seek first to understand, then to be understood. But Stephen Covey wrote the book. goes on to say, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Anybody say, ouch, just now? I'm like, I read this last week, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. That guy just nailed me. It's like, I want to listen, but as I'm listening, I'm trying to come up with my reply. So I'm kind of listening to one ear, but not the other one, right? 
But people know when you're not really listening, right? Especially in marriage. And in marriage is how it goes down to ours, maybe not in yours. She'll be talking to me and I'll say, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. When I say that over and over and over, she's like, did you hear what I said? I said, uh-huh. And then she's like, what did I just say? Okay, I wasn't really listening, you know? But I'm trying to play along, right? So I have a weakness in being able to multitask, which she shared last week. I can't multitask, but if I'm sitting there and we're talking, I'm all in, you know? But if you want me to go deep on something while I'm doing something else, it's just not going to work. But the point for me, though, is I've even just been processing back this last week of saying, hold on a second. I've really got to grow, as a, and this may be for men and women alike, to really listen to someone and really understand what they're saying before you come up with your response. Because, you see, seeking to understand someone, actually living with them in an understanding way, really means you're preferring them. Right? And so when we talk about Christ in the church, we're talking about husbands and wives, right? Like, Christ is... He, he, he's gone so low to understand us and to love us. He's gone so low to come to earth and live fully as a man here on planet earth, enduring all the temptations, all the junk, all the darkness that we have to deal with. He goes through it. He walks through it, all the trials, so he can understand you. You see, Peter got this from Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ showed us what it looked like to live amongst his disciples in an understanding way. He understood them. He got to know them. He took the time, proximity, closeness, traveled around, didn't even set up his own house, his own apartment. He just went with them everywhere. They went together in a group, and they lived together. That's what God is calling us into, men specifically, husbands, to be those that will diligently seek out to understand. You know, we've probably heard this before, but early on in our marriage, Ashley was praying one morning or something, and she came back to me, and we were talking, and she had mentioned to me that, that God has spoken to her about that she needs to go to Tyler University. That's not a real college, by the way, um, but she needed to go to Tyler University, meaning that she was going to spend the rest of her life studying me, like learning about me, learning about my likes and dislikes, my do's and don'ts, my things I'm good at, I'm not good at, the, you know, and she's done an amazing job at that. And I felt so convicted at the time. I'm like, wow, I'm, you're like graduate. I'm like starting as a freshman here. <laughs> okay, if you can start out anytime. You can go to that university. I would encourage you if you're married, consider, hey, I'm going to go to my wife and my husband's university. And I'm going to start studying them. Because when you go like that, you're learning about someone else. It's less about you and it's more about them. And just so you know, all marriages really thrive when both people are more interested about the other person. And less interested about yourself. Right? We actually thrive as people. I was just talking to someone earlier, and, I, and we were talking about he just got, um, he got a new job or something recently, and he was, you know, he's, he's at, at a work environment. There's not many believers there, and people aren't really sure what to do, and he's so joyful, and they're like, what's wrong with you? He's like, nothing. I'm great. I'm doing great. And they're like, okay, and he'll say Jesus, and they just kind of like, hmm, and they just kind of like walk off, right? They're not really sure what to do with that yet. And I told him, I said, you know what? Everybody in this world is seeking happiness, right? Like, everybody wants to be happy whether it's social media or whether it's entertainment or sports or our, just, our, our job being successful or just going shopping or fashion or food. Like, we just want to, like, feed our own happiness. But the truth is you can never be fully satisfied and really fulfilled and really happy and joyful unless you do it God's way. And God's way is actually about someone else's happiness. When you spend your life trying to get yours, you never get it. Did you know that? You, you, you just, just go ahead and read everybody who's been successful or famous that you know of who's apart from Christ and they've made it all and look at the end of their life. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They're lonely. 
They're on whatever marriage. They're on whatever situation. They move, and it's just, and they've spent their whole life trying to satisfy. And you know what they what they mistook for real true happiness was momentary pleasure, right? Because all of us can be pleasured in a moment. That's exciting. That's fun. But that goes away pretty quick. But long-lasting, satisfying is when you actually seek to understand somebody else. It's when you seek to love someone else. It's when you sacrifice, give your life up, right? It, Jesus said it, if you lay your life down, you'll find your life, right? That is how we're supposed to live in the context of our marriage. So I would encourage you husbands, be a student of your wife and never graduate. Never graduate. Don't think, oh, I got to put my four years in, then I'm good. Mm-mm. You got to pursue her to the end of your days. If you will have the mindset, I'm going to go to that school on my wife for the rest of my life, I promise you, she will feel loved. She will be understood. She will be known. Peter goes on, he says, um, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, I don't know a whole lot about um, Rome at this time. Of course, it wasn't there, neither were any of us. But as I've read about Rome, what I found out is that women were not given a lot of freedoms or a lot of rights. They were not equal in the eyes of men and the laws. They were not able to be involved in politics. Most women in the Roman Empire were not allowed to uh, learn to write or to read, which is why you don't really read many things from women, because none of them could write. It's why you don't hear about many of them, because none of them were involved in politics or different things. None of them were involved in the military. And so at this time, women didn't really have a big name or a big voice. And within the government system, they were underneath the the law and the jurisdiction of their father until they got married and underneath the law and jurisdiction of their husband. And it was, and, 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 and in a lot of ways, it was very oppressive and there weren't a lot, a lot of freedoms. And so in that, you have to remember, this is when First Peter is written. This is like Roman Empire still ruling the region. So he says, showing honor to the woman, showing honor to her. You see, honor would look very different for him speaking to a Christian audience of how to honor women, when he saw all around him, they weren't very honored at all. And I would just say that I don't, uh, I think we still got work to do in our world today, in our society today. We may have gained many freedoms in this country for women, but just go to other countries. It's not the same. It's not the same. There's still something to be fought for, for women to have an equal place and to have the rights and the freedoms. But I want us to know as, as Peter writes this, um, at the, we'll get into the weaker vessel piece in just a moment, but I want you to know that, um, that women are created equally in God's eyes. And there's no lesser gifting or they're not lesser spiritually. I think we know that, but just to make it clear that there is no issue for us and what we believe what the scriptures teach are that women have any sort of lesser role. They have a different role, just like men do, just like children do. They have a different role. And we'll get into that here in just a moment. But in Colossians 3.19, it says this, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Um, I was at a lunch meeting. Just We went on a vacation last week. And the week before that, I was at a lunch meeting with a couple of other pastors in our city, and it was awesome. We just got to eat. Anytime you have barbecue and pastors, it's a really good uh, day. So we had barbecue, and we were talking. We were gathered to talk about the issues in our city. And we just began discussing, hey, what are the real problems in Bryan College Station, right? And so we listed off a few things. And as we began discussing, we all kind of came to this moment, this realization that, wait a second, 
All these issues we talk about, whether it be poverty or homelessness or addiction or abuse or uh, economic stuff or uh, whatever the deal was, we said they all come to the same root. Like the root cause for one of those symptoms are the lack of fathers. If fathers were present and stayed engaged with the children and the mom, there probably wouldn't be a need for gangs. If fathers were present and stayed engaged with the family, there probably wouldn't be a need for many prisons. <laughs> um, if fathers were present and stayed engaged, people wouldn't drift off into addictions. In fact, statistics show that um, the likelihood of a child actually uh, being depressed is very low when their father's present in their life. It's fathers, fathers, fathers. The reason why people are, many of them are homeless, there's something, there's a cord there. Honestly, if you will go to any part of broken society or any person you know that's just experiencing a lot of brokenness, just ask one question. How's your dad? You're going to get a lot of anger or a lot of tears. You're going to get either or. Uh, Dads are polarizing. (laughs) Dads aren't neutral, just so you know. People aren't neutral on their fathers. They love their father or they don't. And it's because there's a lot of pain there. And we talked about, you know what? If we can find a way as the church and Bryan College Station to help dads, I think our society will start flipping pretty quick. The things we try to slap billions of dollars onto will actually get fixed if you just have fathers. You can save the money. Go on vacation. Do something else, right? Like, l- literally, those are symptoms that need to be addressed. But I'm telling you, church, is the issue is the father's. If the fathers were encouraged and helped and stirred up, that's why we're doing this deal this whole summer. We've got 80 men in this church that are showing up on Tuesday mornings at 6.30 a.m. We're doing the resolution of men. We're doing victory over darkness. We're taking these men through 10 weeks, and we're rallying together. We're stirring each other up. We're holding each other accountable because we know the issue in our church and our society is that men need to be called up and to be honored and to be challenged, and then they will rise up and the church will go. That's the issue. Right? It's, I, now, look, women got their own problems, but men probably got a few more. Okay? But it's the men, the lack of that. And the devil knows it, just so you know. We'll get to Genesis 1 in a moment. But why do you think he went after them? Right there. He just, in the moment, he had it. But God has given that authority to man and woman together in the context of marriage to really lead out and help shape our world. You know, it starts as a husband, but then it moves into into fatherhood, you know, in Colossians, when he writes, don't be harsh with your wife. Again, I think he's saying that 2,000 years ago because it was real at that time, and I think in some ways it's real today. It may look a little differently. I was talking to my wife about this, and it dawned on me that um, we need to look at this a little differently in terms of what does it mean to be harsh, right? So for a man, for a husband to be harsh with his wife, usually it's in the form of verbiage. Right? It's, it's cutting accusations. It's harsh words. It's yelling. It's belittling. And when a husband comes after his wife with harsh words, it's equivalent to a man getting sucker punched in the gut. And I was like, oh. So what, is it, what happens, man, when someone literally punches you in the stomach? You double over. Oh, you're stunned. You can't breathe very good. You can't think very straight. You're like, hold on. I just got punched in the stomach. Like, Give me a second here, right? And I was thinking, oh, that's what it's like for a woman. When you're harsh with her, it's like, it's, it, is, it is a knife. It is cutting through her. 
But for men, we just are expecting like, well, just get on, just, just like get over it. Why are, you so, why are you so feely about it? I've done that so many times. And I've been corrected and rebuked and convicted. And I'm trying not to say that anymore ever. <laughs> but truthfully, in my younger years, I was like, Ashley, what's the problem? I just said something. And it'd be like, Tyler, what's the problem? You just got hit in the jaw. Shake it off. I'm trying to. My jaw's crooked. I can't shake it off. I just... But we have to see it like that. Do you understand? Like, you have to see what's hurtful to you may not be hurtful to someone else, especially male, female. You have to understand what pains the other, what hurts the other. And when you do that, then you can start avoiding that and realizing, oh, I need to be really careful. I need to be really cautious with what I say and how I say it. Now, I want to suggest this, the phrase, the weaker vessel phrase, right? So let's just be plain. Physically speaking, most men are stronger than most women. I didn't say all, okay? Most men are stronger than most women, just physically speaking, and running, and playing, and lifting, and wrestling, all sorts of things. That's just kind of the way it is. If you got a problem with that, take it up with God. I don't know. But that's just the way it is, okay? But I want you to know, again, women are fully equal in Christ, but in marriage, there's a responsibility that's been given to the husbands to protect provide and to lead their wives, not to lower their power or their authority or whatever, their dominion over their wife, like, hey, look at me, I'm lord of my wife. It's like, that's a joke, right? So that's you, then quit being silly and be a man, right? Be a man, which is to protect and to provide and to lead, right? Is to be the head of the family just as Christ is the head of the church, right? But the submission of the church to Christ is in response to, anyone know? Christ loving us. I'm not submitting to Christ just because someone told me two years ago, you should submit to Christ. It'll help you. It's like, well, that's not going to go very far. <laughs> but when you have a love for someone, yeah, I have a love for Jesus. I have a loyalty. I have a reverence. I have a devotion to him for what he has done in my life. He's not only saved me from the pit of hell, but he has rescued me. He's restored me. He set me free from addictions. He has spoken to me about lies, I believe. He's also helped me to minister to others and to help see other people, their own lives break through. He's used me as a servant to bless and help. Christ has done everything for me. He's given me breath and ability to talk right now in this moment. He's done everything for me. I love him. Therefore, I will serve him, submit to him. And when he says, go right, I go right. It's not a, well, just be a good Christian, submit to Christ. If that's you, get over that, man. That's not it. You submit to Christ because of what he's done for you and his love for you. It is a flowing out of your life. The actions, the words flow from a place of being loved. And if you've never really been loved by Christ or received that, I find it really hard to believe that you fully are living a life, not in religion, but in relationship. Religion doesn't need to receive that full love. It just says, do, do all the do's and don'ts, the rights and wrongs. Check the boxes off, but do it with numbness in your heart. Don't deal with any feeling. Don't actually think about it. Don't have a real conviction about it. Just do it because you're supposed to, right? You could call that cultural Christianity. Do it because the culture's doing it. Wear the shirt because it's cool to wear it. Wear the cross because it looks cool. Do you really follow Christ? No, but it's a cool cross. You know what that is? Yeah, but I don't, you know what, it's just, it's cool. What? I don't understand that. But we are here to Submit to him and follow him because he loves us. And that should be the reason why you 
love him. And so let me speak to the husbands and wives. Your wife um, should be someone that is so loved that she can't help but respect you. If your wife does not respect you, ask the question, why not? And that question should be you and God asking that question first, and then you go to her, wife, (laughs) I get the feeling you don't respect me a whole lot. Can we talk about that? Why don't you tell me? And then she'll say, are you ready to sit down? Brace yourself, you know? And listen, guys, you want your marriage to be thriving, you better get her insight because she's got the best insight on you that anybody else has. She knows you better than probably you know yourself, right? Because she's always deep diving on you. You just want to talk about donuts and coffee. She's like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for my chance here. Get done with that donut. <laughs> Once you finish that donut there, now we're going to talk about something, right? That's just what they do, right? They know how to read you. So to think like, no, you don't know me. It's like, no, she knows you really well. You're just too stubborn and prideful to listen, right? So that's when you need guys in your life to say, dude, quit being an idiot. Listen to your wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just said that. Like, that's why we need men in our lives to sharpen and say, dude, quit, cut that out. Like, go, what are you doing? It's like, oh, yeah, you're right, dude. I mean, right? Like, we need that. Like, you don't, you need marriage, you need community. That's why we have the church. Brilliant idea, right? You can thank God for that idea. But guys, um, these thriving marriages uh, are only going to happen when the husband leads out. When you lead out in your protection and your love and your care for your wife. Now, when it speaks about weaker vessels, I want you to kind of picture pottery, right? Or like fine china. Ashley brought up a teacup last week as an illustration. But think about like fine china pottery. It's like they are to be handled with care. Um, and, and when I say handled care, it, it doesn't mean that they're so fragile you can't, like, hurt their feelings or say something. Women are capable of taking care of themselves. They already do. But it's kind of like be the knight that's going to be by her side to protect and help and be kind and be gentle and open the door and lay your jacket down. Like, that's what she wants. That's what she needs. And that's what communicates love to her. And so that's where we're called to be, to live with her in an understanding way, to understand her and to show her honor as the, as the weaker vessel. It's not because she's so much weaker. It's just because physically and even emotionally, she needs to have some care there. Like she needs to know that you care. And that takes work for most men. At least it does for me. It doesn't come natural for me to like be in tune with feelings. I literally have to go to Ashton times and say, okay, I have no idea what I did wrong, but obviously I did. So I'm not feeling anything about what I did wrong. I'm not sensing anything. Just tell me, like, plainly. You know, when you said this, ah, oh, okay, I'm so sorry, you know? But if you're expecting me to cram up with that, like, seventh or eighth sense here and to pick up on the, and that ain't going to happen. That's, and that happened for so many years, right, in our marriage. And it was just thinking, I'm never going to figure that one out. I'm seeking, okay? I am living with you. I'm trying to understand you. But there is a max to where I'm not a woman. And so you got to help me out here. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I tell her, hey, go talk to one of your girlfriends about that and then come back to me because I don't know how to help you right now, but probably one of them can, and I'd love to be on the back end of that help. I mean, sometimes you just got to process, you know what I'm saying? It's okay. Like, if you can't engage for 90 minutes, men, on a conversation, just say, I love you. I'm, who can I help you? I'll provide tea for you and coffee. Who do you need to talk to? And then come back and then give me the summary. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> and that has to be okay. So women... 
your husband is not a woman. <laughs> he never be. He's a man. <laughs> and so just be okay with that. And be like, you know what? I know you love me, but you're not going to understand this one. I tried. At least I tried. Biblically, see, I tried. I tried to do it. <laughs> but honestly, we get hung up on sometimes and wanting them to like fully get us. And that's hard to do. I'm 13 years in, some of you are 20, 30, 40 years in, and you're like, uh, we're still working this one out. So it's not easy. So let's give each other a break and lighten up a little bit, and we'll have amazing marriages, all right? Amen. Okay, I'm going to invite the band up here as we close here just a minute. And um, I want us to go and stand as we close. And <clears throat> You know, we're going to do something a little unique today as we close. I just want, um, if you're a father, um, I just want you to come up here. So if you're a father, come on up here. If you don't feel comfortable, that's great. Come on up here. And, um, but I want you to stand up here. Just kind of make your way up here. Now, you guys are going to face this way. And, and here's typically what I want to happen. Um, just if you're, if you're not a father yet in this house, then I, I want to encourage you to today. So ladies, I'm gonna, you're going to have to stay where you're at today. So just... If you're a man in this room, you're not a father yet, I want to encourage you as we go into worship in a moment just to come up to one of these guys and just have one of these men pray for you. Just to lay hands you need to pray for you, just to bless you. And um, because, you know, um, some of us didn't get that father blessing, right? So, some of us didn't have that father. Some of us don't have that father in our lives. Some of us have not really known a man who's following Christ. None of these guys are perfect, but they're saying, hey, yes to Jesus, I'm here. I'm ready to move forward with him. But I want to encourage you, if you're a young man in this house, and um, I, I want to encourage you to come forward in just a moment and let one of these guys just pray for you. Shake their hand, get to know their name for a moment, and just pray for you. I think there's something powerful God's going to do. But before we, before we do that, I want to, um, I want to, you know, tackle this question, you know, why, why do we show our wives honor? Like, why, why would Peter really write that? Well, you remember Adam and Eve were given the assignment by God. Back in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, God gave a command to Adam and to Eve to be fruitful and to multiply and to rule and to have authority. And he created them in his image, meaning that everyone in this room is an image bearer of God. Male and female alike. He said, I'm going to make beautiful things about women. I'm going to make handsome things about men. Right? I'm, I'm going to design all the inner workings and the minds in all of you. And I'm going to make you, and I, and I want you to go on a journey of coming back to me. Sin has separated us, but you know what? There's a journey of me seeking you out, pursuing you as the good shepherd to the lost sheep. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, come on back home. I want a relationship with you. I want you to know what I originally made you for, which was to be a ruler, which was to have authority, which was to be a man of sacrifice, which was to be a leader in your family, in your community. So why do we show her honor? Because it's probably one of the best ways we can reveal the gospel 
to a broken, hurting world around us. Marriage is the greatest picture of the gospel. Man and woman coming together. Christ and church coming together. Man laying his life down. Christ laying his life down. Man serving, sacrificing everything to understand, to love, and to care for his wife. Jesus laying down his life, sacrificing, doing everything to love and care for his bride, the church. Do you see it? Marriage is more than your happiness. Marriage is more than the opportunity to have children or to get a tax break. (laughs) Marriage is actually God's design from thousands and thousands of years ago. From the very beginning, when he spoke to Adam and Eve, he said, there's a purpose to all this, just so you know. When you come together, there's something powerful. And the enemy wants nothing more than to separate something that is so powerful and so designed by God for impact. Here's we're going to close this morning. Just want to give a charge to us men, the ones up here, men in the room. It's time to become the man, the husband she hoped for, the man she fell in love with, It's time to understand and to honor our wives in a way that makes people turn and look to the people of God as the way to do marriage because that will show them Christ. Men in the room, your marriage will have the most significant impact on the world around you. More than anything you can do, it'll demonstrate Christ and his love for the people around you. I'm gonna pray and as we do, we're gonna worship Women, I'm gonna ask you hang out in your seats today, but I do wanna encourage you that if you need prayer, then I always encourage you to raise your hand. If you're in the seats, if you're a woman, raise your hand and just someone just go and just pray for them. Just encourage them, hug on them, bless them, okay? So you've actually got a free-for-all ministry time happening in the seats, and we'll get all the dudes up here, okay? All right, so we're gonna worship and just gonna pray for us, and we just want the Holy Spirit just to lead right now. Don't, don't walk out of here without shaking someone's hand or getting a hug or having someone pray for you. There's no need. The rest of your day is gonna be way better if you'll make that happen. Amen? So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your example. We thank you for laying your life down for us. We thank you for submitting to the Father so that the gospel could be fulfilled. We thank you for giving us men and women. Lord, we thank you for giving us marriage and this amazing gift that it is. We thank you for our children. Lord, we thank you for fathers in this room. We thank you for the fathers in our city. And Lord, we pray you be speaking to men all over this city right now, especially those who don't know you, Lord. You'd be reaching out to them and their dreams as they're waking up, Lord. You would show them yourself today. All of this city, Lord, you start drawing back the hearts of men to the original intent, to the original relationship you designed for them to have. And Lord, I pray for every young man in this house who's an aspiring father one day, Lord, they'd be bold to come up here, Lord, and then you just put blessing and you would mark them and you would encourage them and you would strengthen them and you would say that I love you and you're made for more. Lord, that you would call up men today, Lord, just to the power of us embracing arms and shaking hands and exchanging prayers, Lord. There'd just be an embrace. There'd be a calling up today that would happen, we pray in Jesus' name.